The Productive Woman, Episode 340. Hello, and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan, and this is a podcast about productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Well, thank you for joining me. In this episode, I thought I'd talk about some apps that help me manage my life and get the things done that are important to me. You'll find links and additional information in the show notes for this episode, which you will find at theproductivewoman.com slash 340. So let's just get right into it. A lot of what we do these days is digital. I mentioned in a a recent episode that these days I've been using a paper planner for my day-to-day planning and to-do lists and those sorts of things. And I'm really enjoying doing that. I'm a pen and paper person. I like pen, neat pens and, and nice paper. And so I'm enjoying using a paper planner. But A lot of my life, a lot of the things I have to do are online and much of the the way that I manage all my obligations and commitments is through digital apps. So I thought I'd talk about some apps that are helping me be productive in the way that I want to be. The apps that I include on this list, there are 13 of them. Uh, They are apps that I use every single day to manage certain elements of my life. The first seven of these are available for multiple operating systems, both Apple and non-Apple. The last six are Mac or iOS only, but where I can, I suggest alternatives that work for Windows or or Android or both. Everything I do is an Apple product. I work on Macs for my legal practice and all the things that I do for that and for the productive woman. I have an iPhone, I have iPads. And so a lot of the apps that I really like are Apple or Mac Uh, Mac or iOS only. But like I said, I will come up with uh, where I can alternatives that will work if you're not on the Apple ecosystem. And in this list, I excluded the common basics, things that I do use every day, but they're pretty common basic uh, apps, things like Microsoft Word, Dropbox, the email apps that I use, Slack, Microsoft Teams, OmniFocus, the Kindle app. All of these are things that I use every single day, but I've excluded those and wanted to focus on other kinds of apps that I use that maybe you don't think about as often, but maybe they might be useful to you. I also have excluded Text Expander, mostly because I talk about them frequently. They uh, have been a longtime sponsor of the show, and I talk about them even when they're not <laughs> sponsoring an episode, just because it absolutely is one of the apps that I use most frequently and that contributes the most to my productivity, especially when I'm at the computer. So I'm not going to, I'm excluding that from this list, and I'm going to share with you, as I said, 13 other apps 
that I use every single day to be productive. And so, as I said, the first seven of them work on whatever operating system you use. And the first one on my list is Backblaze. This is a cloud-based backup service that automatically backs up my computer and any hard drives that are connected to it continuously. Uh, If you have ever had a hard drive fail or a computer stolen or damaged, if you've ever been uh, unfortunate enough to experience a, a flood or a tornado or a hurricane or something like that and lost your computer, then you know how important it is to have a backup. So much of our life is on our devices these days, our computers, our iPhones, our whatever, our mobile phones. And even if it's something just as simple as pictures, photographs of your children or or your loved ones or of trips you've taken, if you don't have those things backed up and something happens to your device, you're lost. All that data is lost, those photos, whatever it is. For me, it's the legal documents that I have on my computer, the episode outlines and the recordings for the podcast. Those are just some of the things that are on my computer. And so it's very, very important to me to have a backup. I have had a situation where a hard drive started to fail on a computer and had to be replaced. And because it was being replaced, um, I couldn't necessarily get everything off of it ahead of time, but I didn't have to worry about it because everything was backed up to Backblaze. Some experts recommend that you actually have two backups of whatever's important on your computer. A local one, say to a hard drive that's connected that you just back up to, and a remote or cloud-based backup that will still be there uh, if something happens to your computer uh, that also affects your local backup. And so for me, the remote backup is Backblaze, and I will have links to all of these apps in the show notes and uh, some information about them. The basic features of Backblaze are, you know, that it runs continuously. I think when I did the first backup, it probably took a week of just kind of working in the background to get all my data because I have a a large uh, hard drive on my computer and it just took takes a long time for all of that to upload to the Backblaze servers. But now it just uploads changes. It, it backs up incrementally, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So it doesn't have to re-back up the whole hard drive continuously. It just looks for changes and back sends those up to the, to the Backblaze servers. So it's continuously updating the backup and if I ever needed to restore my system, say my computer was damaged and I lost everything or my computer was stolen or whatever, you can back it up from the cloud or you can order a USB drive of your data, which would actually let it be faster and they will send it to you. I think you have to pay for it. I didn't look for what it is because fortunately I've never had to do it, but you place an order with them. They send you a USB drive that has all your missing data. You can, when you receive it, upload it onto your hard drive. And then if you mail that drive back to them in within 30 days, they'll refund what you paid them for it. It has the ability to restore multiple older versions of a file. So you can go in, there's a file you've lost that was backed up. If you've lost it, you know, after a backup, you can access your backed up data 
through the cloud and look for the file you want and even get an, an older version of it. So they, there are multiple versions saved. As I said, it's an automatic process. Uh, it con mine continuously backs up. But if you need to save bandwidth, if you maybe live in a rural area where you have limited bad bandwidth, you can also schedule backup. So maybe schedule to backup overnight when nobody's using your computer, you know, your internet, uh, and save time that way. They also have features that allow you to locate a missing or stolen computer and you can set how fast you want it to upload if you want to, you know, not have it hogging bandwidth at various times. So it's a great system. I, it's something well worth the money that I pay for it just in the peace of mind. I think it's $60 a year per computer if you pay for it annually. At least that's the price as I'm recording this in late March of 2021. And they actually have a discount if you pay for two years at a time. They have a free trial available so you can try it out. And as I said, the link will be in the show notes if you want to give this a try. Uh, and the show notes for this episode, as I mentioned earlier, you will find at theproductivewoman.com slash 340. That'll take you to the page for the notes for this episode where you'll find links for all these, all these apps. Um, I pay for it for both my iMac and my MacBook Pro, which is what I use mostly when I travel. And it's worth every penny for the peace of mind it gives me knowing that if something unexpected happens, I'm going to be able to retrieve my data. There are alternatives to Backblaze. One of them is uh, Carbonite. There are many others. You can Google backup services, cloud backup services for computers and find all of them. But I love backblaze and have been really happy with it. The second app that, uh, the, the first three of these apps, I guess, are kind of safety security kinds of things uh, for me. Uh, and they're very important because I use my computer for the practice of law and I have obligations to my clients to protect the confidentiality of their, the data that I have for them. And so one of uh, the, the apps that I use, the second one on my list is called encrypt me or encrypt.me. And what it does is create a secure VPN or virtual private network that kicks in when I'm on an unknown, unfamiliar, or public Wi-Fi to protect my data from people who might be snooping. And sadly, and we've talked about this way a long time ago, but uh, I'll try to find a, an article that talks about why this is important and, and link to it in the show notes. But there are people when you, if you're sitting at Starbucks on your, on their Wi-Fi, or at the airport on the airport Wi-Fi or a hotel on its internet, there are people that go to these places and they have the technology to scope around and see who's on the Wi-Fi and get into, get into their files. So if you're sitting at the airport waiting for your flight and you get on your phone to pay a bill and you log into your, your bank app, uh, to, to check your account balance or to pay a bill or something. There are people you do, and you don't know when, where they are or when they're there who have the technology to watch what you're doing and capture the, the keystrokes that you do and the password that you enter to get into your bank app or whatever else you're doing on your computer or your, your phone, your, your uh, smartphone. 
or your iPad. And that's possible anytime you're on a public network or any unsecured network of any kind. And so encrypt.me creates a virtual private network that basically blocks anybody from getting into it. It's encrypted and I don't know how the magic works, but I know that it prevents these people who are out there trying to harvest data from, from seeing what you're doing on your device. Um, so you can use it on computers, on any kind of mobile device. And as I said, it's especially useful if you're traveling, uh, using an airport or hotel Wi-Fi or something like that. Uh, the cost is minimal. It's $10 a month for unlimited use of it or $100 a year if you pay annually. And I think at least as of right now, they're offering a two-week free trial. If you ever are on any kind of public Wi-Fi, public network, even if you don't have secured internet at home, if you don't have uh, security on your internet, you can use it there. You can tell it when you're on, uh, you can tell the app that is, uh, when you're on a network that is, that you know is secure and, and then it won't kick in. Uh, but if you ever use an, an, an internet access point that is not a hundred percent secure, you should be using something like encrypt.me. And, uh, I encourage you to check that one out. The third app that I use every day that is incredibly important for um, internet security, and, and I've talked about this one before, and that's LastPass. This one is absolutely crucial for me. It is a password manager that I use to create, store, and log in using my passwords for all the various apps and websites that I use. It is so important in these days where there are people whose full-time job is to try to hack into websites and get our confidential information. And that's why it is so important to have strong, secure, unique passwords for the various apps and websites that we access online. And, you know, we've talked before, and I'm not, this isn't an, uh, an episode about online security, but I, I want to take this opportunity to remind you how important it is to have these strong, secure passwords. Using the same password on every website you log into is an invitation to disaster. Using simple passwords that are easy for you to remember is an invitation to hackers to get at your important online information. What is recommended for us is to have a strong password that is 12 or 13 characters minimum and a mixture of uppercase, lowercase numbers and unique, uh, you know, special characters like an asterisk or an ampersand, uh, a mixture of those sorts of things, not a, a word that's in the dictionary, but strange, strong password and a unique password for each site. That is a different strong password for each app, each site that you're using. And of course, the, when you hear that, the, the first thought is, how can I do that? I can't remember strange passwords that are different for every site. That's why I want to use the same password for every site. Well, that's where LastPass and other password managers come in because they 
can create these very strong passwords, a different one for each site you use, and then they store it in an encrypted fashion and can simply log you in to your site. They, they keep track of, uh, the app keeps track of your username and your password for each of these sites, stores them in an encrypted fashion, and then can automatically log you in when you go into websites. So the only password I have to remember is the long kind of convoluted passphrase that I created for LastPass itself. And then it stores all my passwords, logs me into my site securely, and keeps my data safe. It has also a feature that will let me know if any site I have a password for has been compromised. Because, you know, all the stores and, and various websites are getting hacked all the time, and people come in and, and get at their information. And LastPass can tell me, hey, this site you want that you have a password for was just breached, you know, last week, you should change your password. And that's a great feature to help protect my online identity. LastPass offers a free version. The premium version, I believe is $36 a year, or you can get a family pass for $48 a year that will, will give each you know, up to, I think it's up to five people in your family, their own, um, kind of login for it. And you can share passwords for things like your Netflix account and stuff for the people in your household. Uh, they have various plans for businesses and all of the paid options offer a free trial period. So I encourage you, if you're not already using a password manager, to look into this ASAP. There are other alternatives besides LastPass. One password is one that I know lots of people use. Uh, and I've shared links in the past to articles that list and describe the various password managers. But if you don't have one, get one now. And if you don't know where to start, try the free trial with LastPass and see if it works for you. So that's number three. Number four on my list of apps that I use to get stuff done uh, is an app called Snagit. And Snagit is a, a little app. It has a little tab kind of over off the side of my home, uh, computer screen that I can click on to capture my screen. It's a screen capture and screen recording software. It allows me to capture, take a picture of, you know, a screenshot of my whole screen of one of the windows that I have open on my screen. So if I have various apps, I can pick just one of them to take a picture of, or just a piece of something of the screen or of the, of the app that I have open. So you can take a picture of it and then you can annotate that screen capture. You can highlight text, you can draw circles around things or draw an arrow pointing to the thing you want uh, attention drawn to or type a little note on it. Lots of things you can do with it. Um, and you may, if you, if you've not used a screen capture type software before, you may be thinking, well, so why would I want to do that? Well, I use Snagit many times a day to, to do things like take little snips of a document that I'm working on to send with a question to a 
a client or to a colleague, you know, maybe a, here's what I, here's the way I've drafted this now. Is this the language you're looking for kind of thing? So that's one use that I have it. And I do that many, many times every day. I also use it when I'm, you know, I'm having trouble with my computer or with an app and, uh, or a piece of software and I get a weird error message rather than typing that up, I'll take a little screenshot of that error message and send it off to our IT people to say, what does this mean? And how do I get it to quit doing that? So those are just a couple of examples of things that I do many times a day using Snagit. It's an app that costs $50. It's a one-time purchase. It works on Mac and Windows. And I know they offer discounts for government or educational users. So if you're a teacher or your student or you work for the government, you can check out the, um, the discounts that they offer for those sorts of users. It's worth the $50 price. I bought it a long time ago and use it constantly. And, uh, it's a, I, I would not be as productive without it. Uh, number five on my list, this is a completely different kind of thing. So we've talked now about some sort of security kinds of things. And then the screenshot type app with Snagit. Number five on my list is an app called Lose It. Um, and this is an app that I use every day, several times a day. And it is associated with my sort of initiative this year to get healthier, to get to a healthier weight and to manage what I'm eating. And I have found that for me, one key to managing my weight is the accountability of tracking what I eat. And Lose It makes that very, very simple. It's an app I have on my phone. Um, I can access it, I think, from the computer as well, but I use it almost exclusively on my phone to keep track of what I eat all day. Lose It is very, very simple to enter things in because they have a huge library of foods that you can just do a quick search for the food you just ate and the amount, uh, you, and then you tell it how much of it you ate and it, it populates it with the calories and the other nutrients that, uh, you know, the amount of protein or what, whatever else is in their sodium. And it keeps track of it for you. And not only do they have just sort of grocery type foods, but they have a huge library of restaurant menu items. So if you go out to eat at, you know, McDonald's or somewhere, you can search McDonald's quarter pounder and it has all the information for it in there. In addition for the foods, if, if they, for some reason don't have a food, something you bought at the grocery store, you can scan the barcode of that prepared food and it will enter and save all the nutritional information for that item. And then it keeps track of all of that. Now lose it does more than just track what you eat. Uh, at least it does the way I use it. You can also enter your current weight or it syncs up with, um, I have a Fitbit scale that has an app that keeps track of my weight and lose it syncs with that. So it pulls my current weight in there. Uh, you can tell it how much you would like to lose per week, what your target weight is going to be along with some other information about your age, your gender, and that sort of thing. And then it will calculate your target calorie weight uh, intake per day in order to reach your 
target weight. Um, so it'll tell you this is if you this is how much you weigh now. This is how much you want to weigh. You want to lose a pound a week. Um, and in order to do that, these are how many calories you should be taking in and it'll track my exercise. So it pulls that in and it factors it into how many calories I should be eating. It'll caution you if you're being more aggressive than is healthy. So if your target daily calories is lower than, than the experts say is healthy, it'll tell you, you know, you're being a little aggressive here. Are you sure you want to go for that target? Then as you enter what you eat, it kind of totals it as you go, lets you know what your totals are and what you have left in terms of calorie intake for that day. And it also lets you set some other goals in addition to weight. So maybe you want to, one of the things I need to do is uh, take in more protein. And so I have a target protein intake kind of thing. uh, And it lets me know if I'm meeting that or not. You can set goals related to your fat intake, your cholesterol level, your water intake, the amount of exercise, all of those things. And it helps you track them. I do all these things with the free version, but they have a premium version as well. It's about $40 a year, I think, that has more features, including social or community accountability, if that's something that would help you. So for me, it's an important part of my uh, efforts to be healthier in what I eat and what I do and my water intake and all those things. Number six on the list is an app called Paprika. And I think I might've mentioned this before. According to their website, and I'm quoting here from the site, it says, Paprika is an app that helps you organize your recipes, make meal plans, and create grocery lists. Using Paprika's built-in browser, you can save recipes from anywhere on the web. Want to access your recipes on your phone or tablet? Our cloud sync service allows you to seamlessly sync your data across all your devices. And that's exactly what it does. It lets you... Uh, You can type recipes in and save them and categorize them, but you can also import recipes from pretty much any website. It brings all the information in, even the photos that go with it and organizes it into ingredient lists. It puts the, you know, the nutritional information and it puts the ingredient list and the instructions all in a really nice way of, of, um, showing it makes it look really good. And then you can tag your recipes by categories and by whether it's easy or hard, uh, and then search and sort them in different ways. So if you're looking for a recipe, you know, one of the categories I have is instant pot recipes, and I have uh, categories for main dishes by different types of meat. But if I want to cook something in my instant pot with, you know, using chicken breast, I can search that way and find it. So it's, um, really handy when you're planning meals or trying to figure out what to fix for dinner. You can also assign dishes today. So it has a little calendar feature in it and then create grocery lists from the recipes that you've selected. So it's got a lot of functionality. Usually when I'm looking for recipes, I'll do it on my computer and I'll import the recipe into paprika from my computer And then I have an old iPad mini from years ago that I replaced and I keep the old one in my kitchen and I just prop it up uh, on the counter when I'm cooking to uh, be able to consult the recipe. Paprika is available for iOS, Mac, Windows, and Android. It is $30 for the Mac or Windows version. 
Um, and I think Windows offers a free trial. And then it's $5 for the iOS or Android version. And I really enjoy it. It's got a, a really easy to use interface and helps me when it comes to figuring out what to cook and getting dinner on the table. Number seven, uh, an app that I use every day uh, to be productive, and that is the app Calm. And fair disclosure, if you've listened for a while, you know, Calm is a sponsor of the podcast from time to time, although they're not sponsoring this episode. I include it anyway, because it really is one of the apps that I use almost every day. I use the sleep stories at night to get to sleep. I've said before, I have, I have trouble getting to sleep sometimes, uh, or I'll wake up in the night and then can't get back to sleep. I'll just put my headphones on and listen to a sleep story to get to sleep or to get back to sleep. I also enjoy the 10 minute morning guided meditations. They call them the, the daily calm um, just a few minutes, just 10 minutes is part of my morning routine. And it really helps me get centered and in a good frame of mind to start the day. It is a free download and they do offer some free content. Uh, but the calm premium subscription unlocks much, much more content. And although they're a sponsor from time to time, I personally paid for my premium subscription and it was it, it's been very much worth it. Premium, uh, the premium subscription to Calm is $70 a year. But remember, they are, I believe, at least as I'm recording this, they are still offering the Productive Woman listeners $40 off if you go through that Productive Woman link, calm.com slash TPW. The website also currently, uh, as of the date I'm recording this, shows that they're offering a 60% discount on a lifetime Calm Premium membership. That's normally $400 for lifetime access to all their content. Right now they're offering it at $160 for lifetime access. So, you know, if you check it out, try the free, uh, the free content, see if you like it. And uh, maybe it's worth it to, to buy the lifetime access. There are other alternatives. One of them that I've used in the past is Headspace, another app, similar kind of app with similar features. They also offer a free trial and then $70 a year for their premium uh, subscription if you pay annually. That's Calm, number seven. All right, the last six apps are Mac iOS only, but I think for most of them, I've found alternatives that work for Windows or Android, and I'll share those as well. And so number eight on my list is a PDF manager. I work with PDFs all day long. The apps that I use allow me not only to read PDFs, but also to edit them, annotate them, uh, optical character rec uh, recognition, uh, OCR them so that they're searchable, convert them to Word or other formats and do all sorts of other things with them. I actually use two different apps for these and I, for, uh, it's a long story why it doesn't really matter, but I have both of these apps on my computers and on my iOS devices. One of them is PDF Pen Pro and that it is produced by Smile Software, the same people that do Text Expander, which is, you know, the app that I love so much. The other PDF manager that I use is called PDF Expert 
Pro. I use the Pro version of both of these. And both of them allow you to do lots and lots of things with PDFs. Um, you can add or remove text. You can fix typos in them. You can mark them up by highlighting text or drawing on them, adding notes and comments. They allow you to sign and fill out forms. Um, they allow you to share documents, PDFs um, that you've created or that you've annotated via email, or you can sync with Dropbox or iCloud. You can do all sorts of things. You can add pages, edit pages, move pages around, do all those sorts of things. Uh, and you can export PDFs in a lot of different formats, such as Microsoft Word, JPEG, uh, PNG, TIFF, and other kinds of things. So there are lots and lots of other things you can do with PDFs in these things. Both of them are for Mac. Uh, PDF Pen is for Mac or iOS only. Uh, the regular version for Mac is $80. The Pro version, which I have, uh, have had for uh, several years, and which has additional features, is $129. These are one-time prices, so it's not an annual subscription kind of thing. The PDF pen for iOS is $7 for, I think it's for pro PDF expert for Mac is $80 as well. And iOS is a free download that can sync with it. Both of these offer free trials. So you can try them out to see how they work for you. And PDF pen has video tutorials on their website that are really helpful. PDF expert offers free downloads of various templates for different kinds of business forms, which I thought was really interesting. Both of them are very good. I like them both. I've, I've used PDF pen pro longer, but I use them both uh, all the time for um, creating and annotating PDFs. Um, there are alternatives for Windows-based computers, including Adobe Acrobat. If you only want to be able to read PDFs, you can download Adobe Acrobat Reader for free. But if you need to be able to do things with PDFs, like annotate them, mark them up, uh, or move pages around, do different things, you can try Adobe Acrobat DC, which is a subscription-based app at $13 or $15 a month, depending on which features you choose. And that's the price if you pay annually. And they do offer a free trial. So a PDF manager. Uh, number nine is an app called Drafts, D-R-A-F-T-S, Drafts. For me, it is a digital scratch pad. Basically, each time I open it on, and I usually use it on my iOS devices, so my phone or my iPad, but I do have it on my, uh, my iMac as well. Each time I open it, it opens to a blank text space where I can just start typing or dictating whatever, um, you know, what, whatever I wanted to say. Uh, I use it to capture ideas, quotes, links, notes, uh, to myself or to somebody else, just anything I want to quickly capture. Sometimes when you're in a hurry, you get an idea and you don't want to think, well, where should I put this? Well, I just open up drafts, dictate it or type it in there, and then I can figure out later where, where it needs to go. Uh, I also create lists in drafts, such as episode topic ideas that I have when I'm out and about or sitting on the couch or something, or questions I want to ask somebody. 
once I put the, the text into drafts, I can do whatever I want to with it. It interacts with lots of other apps and you can do all kinds of things with it. So I can send it as a text message or tweet it or send it to Facebook or other social media. I can add it to my calendar or my task manager or send it to another app like Evernote or Dropbox or any number of others, or I can open it on another device to do something with it. So maybe I've I thought of a quote that I want to use in an episode and, I, and I'm out at the store and so I stick it in drafts on my phone. When I get back to my computer, I open up drafts on my computer and there it is and I can do what I want to with it. Drafts is a free download for uh, Mac or iOS. Drafts Pro gives extra features for $30 a year. I have it on my iPhone, my iPad, my Macs, and I can even dictate notes on my Apple Watch. So it's a really handy little app. For alternatives, if you're not in the Apple ecosystem, I, I would say check out Google Keep. This is one, it's a free product of the Google, you know, group, but I haven't tried it, but I've heard it mentioned by several people I know who really like it. So this might be something you could use for this. Number 10 is an app called Fantastical. And this is a calendar app for Mac and iOS devices. I use it because it's got a very easy to use interface. It's really easy to add events. It syncs all my various calendars between my devices. Uh, and so I can look in here. I like the way it looks. I can um, look at it and see all my appointments and I can see Mike's appointments because my shared calendars can go into Fantastical as well. And it, they all sync and keep current. So I can see at any given time where I'm supposed to be, where Mike might be, you know, all those sorts of things. There are lots of alternatives. Um, you know, Apple Calendar comes free with Apple devices. And, and for a long time, I just used that. Uh, if you're not on the Apple ecosystem, you could check out Google Calendar, which many people swear by and which also is free. Number 11 on my list is an app called Do. That's D-U-E. So do as in a deadline. This is an app that lets you very quickly set reminders for anything, whether one time or a recurring uh, reminder. It's different from calendar alarms or phone alarms in that it will just keep reminding you until you check off the thing as being done. As their website says, with so many notifications coming in from everywhere, it's easy to miss the important ones. That's why Do repeatedly notifies you of overdue reminders until you mark them complete, reschedule them, or turn off their auto snooze. So it's just a reminder app. It's something that creates little, little reminders. It's kind of your little digital personal assistant to say, Hey, Laura, you're supposed to do this thing. Um, it's very customizable in terms of how often you want to be reminded and that sort of thing. And so I use it for things that don't, they don't merit a, a, calendar entry, but there are things that I want to be sure to remember to do. Uh, so I use it for things like, I use it to remind me to take my vitamins every day. I use it to remind me to water my houseplants each week. During the spring and summer, I have a reminder to water the flowers in my porch planters. And it's set to remind me again, three days after the last time I marked it done. So that's one way you can do it. You can set, um, 
you know, it, to remind you once a week, every Tuesday to take the garbage out to the curb or, you know, something like that. Or you can set it to remind you a certain period of time after the last time you did it. So my house plants, I water once a week. Um, but if I change it, it's set to remind me again, one week after the last time I did it. So, and it knows the last time I did it because it reminded me and I marked it done. So you can, you can use it lots of different ways to remind you of little things like that, that need to be done regularly, whether once a day or once a week or however often. You can also use do to create countdown timers. So it's got that feature as well. Uh, this is again, an app that's only for the Apple ecosystem. It's $15 for the Mac version, $7 for iOS, and they sync between each other. And it's a really useful tool. I mostly use it on my iPhone. Alternatives, if you're not on the Mac, uh, the Apple ecosystem, check out any.do. Uh, so that one is N-E-A-N-Y dot do, D-O. It is a, uh, an app that provides to-do lists, reminders, and more. I haven't used it, so I'm not sure whether it does the exact things that do does, but I know people who use it and swear by it. And it's, um, it's a really good price. It's $3 a month when paid annually. And so check that out. And again, I'll have links for these in the show notes. Number 12, we're coming to the end, is an app called Deliveries. And I know I've mentioned this before, but uh, it, it is one that I use or consult almost every day. And this is an app that tracks packages for you, whether it's packages coming to you or packages you've sent. All you do is you enter the tracking number that's provided by the carrier. So it, it recognizes FedEx, UPS, the United States Postal Service, Amazon, and others. Once that tr tracking number is entered, and I usually put, you know, a little note of what the item is and who, who it was ordered from, uh, and then deliveries tracks the package for you, alerts you to changes in status and everything. Uh, it's just a really useful little utility that helps me keep track of things that I've sent, things that are coming, if there are delays or if, if uh, you know, it's out for delivery today, that sort of thing. Uh, it's available. It works on Mac and iOS and uh, it has a free version. And uh, uh, the, I think if you want to sync back and forth and you pay $5 a year. So it's a really inexpensive thing. And one of my favorite little apps that I've had for a long, long time. There are alternatives if you're not using Apple products. I will put a link in the show notes to an article that lists and discusses various alternatives for package trackers. So um, check that out. And finally, the Reminders app. This is a simple list app that comes on Apple devices for free. It's just part of the operating system. It allows you to create various lists and share them with others if you want to. And I, I have a bunch of different lists that I keep in the Reminders app. You can set alarms on them. You can set them to remind you when you leave home or arrive at home or, you know, when you, if there are stores you go to regularly, it can ping you when you, 
you know, you can geofence it, I guess is what they call it. Uh, it. It can ping you when you walk into the grocery store that you have set it up for, uh, for instance. There are lots of things you can do with it. One of the things we use reminders for is, is a grocery list. So we keep a running grocery list in reminders that Mike and I share because he also has an iPhone. So either of us can add things when we notice we're running low or just something we want from the grocery store. And whoever happens to be at the store can access that list, see what's needed, check things off as as they buy them, and then it it syncs among all our devices. We both have other lists in reminders. Some of them are shared, some are not. So I have a list for household items that we need or movies that I hear of that I want to watch, office supplies I need. Basically, most of the lists that I have in in reminders are lists for different stores that I might go to. Uh, Mike has a home repair supplies list that he shared with me. And I created a while back, a short-term honeydew list that I shared with him of little things I notice around the house that need to get fixed or um, need attention from him. Um, And so it's a useful app and something I consult usually every day, sometimes several times a day for different purposes. Um, there are alternatives. I'm sure that Windows and Android devices come with some sort of to-do list type of app, although I don't use either of those devices and I couldn't really find what the sort of built-in app might be for those devices. Um, but check out your device to see what it has and see if it has the ability to share those lists and to create more than one list. Also check out any.do and Google Keep, which I mentioned above for the sort of note-taking thing. Another option is one called Remember the Milk. This is one you can download for free, and uh, the pro version gives unlimited sharing options for $40 a year. So those are my 13 apps that uh, help me be productive, help me manage various aspects of my life and get the things done that are important to me. I'd be real interested in hearing if you use any of these or if you have alternatives that you like um, for any of these purposes. Share your ideas, your questions about the apps or your suggestions for apps that are useful to you in the comments section of the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 340. And again, that's where you will find links for all of these apps. They're not, uh, I don't think any of them are affiliate links, except maybe the Calm one. Um, These are just apps I like. Uh, You can also post a comment or question on the Productive Woman Facebook page, or if you're a member of the Productive Woman Community Facebook group, we could have a conversation there and share apps that are helping us get stuff done. If you prefer to share your thoughts with me privately, as always, you can email your questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com. And I would um, love to hear from you. I think that's it for this episode of The Productive Woman. I hope you felt like it was worthwhile. I appreciate you spending this time with me. And I look forward to talking with you again very soon. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself. And go make your life matter.